morning. Um, I'm usually a PowerPoint girl. Whenever I'm at school, I like to have PowerPoint to like keep me moving. And guess what? I had no slides for today. So this is perfect. This is fine. It'll be fine, Erica. <laughs> so um, we've been talking about school. School has started this week. Uh, so last week was the first week for me. I had two days alone in my classroom and three days with my students, and it was wonderful. So I hope staff and students had a great experience just as I did. Um, I have 14 students. I have five boys and nine girls. They seem to be great so far. I always enjoy the first few weeks of school, building relationships and getting to know my kids and also sharing about things that we really enjoy. So when I ask my students this week, I always ask this every year, what kind of a teacher do you need from me this year? Um, I had one kid who raised his hand and he said, I need a teacher who is funny. And I said, I got you, I'm full of cheesy jokes. <laughs> so he's probably um, a little upset that he said that and I'm sure by the middle of the year he's gonna be like, oh great, one more cheesy joke from Mrs. Kaufman, here we go. But anyways, um, I pulled out a few this week and I wanted to share them with you, they're about music. So the first one that I said to him, and he got these like within seconds, by the way, he was pretty quick on the answers. What type of music are balloons afraid of? Pop, that was quick, yes. What is a mummy's favorite type of music? Rap, see these are easy. And the last one that I pulled out uh, this week was why was the fish such a good musician? There we go, he knows his scales. <laughs> so today I am going to be in Romans 8, if you would turn your Bible there please. And while you're getting there, um, speaking of music, I was connecting my sermon today to music. Every April, I teach a poetry unit at school. And by April, most of my students are very comfortable with me. Maybe some of them getting a little too comfortable with me. Um, so when I announce that we're having a poetry unit, I am bound to get several groans, usually from some of my boys, to display their disdain for the unit and the unit assignment, which is to create your own poems. Well, I expect that, so I always follow up with this question, do you listen to music? And I find that most, if not all of my students, listen to some type of music. Then my next question is, did you know that music is, or starts as, poetry? And so as I go on to explain why, I can usually get everyone on board to study song lyrics. So that's kind of my transition into my unit. I'm then able to expand into and introduce some poetry that may push them a little bit. And then at the end of the unit, they are able to create some of their own poetry and share their favorite song lyrics with me. I think they enjoy this assignment. I'm looking at Kendall. I may have done this with her class. I can't remember, or she remembers. And I think they like it based on feedback. But most students can very quickly choose a song to share because they have many favorites. Why do they have so many favorites? I don't think that a love for music is a generational thing. I am sure that many of us here listen to music, have our favorites, and you could probably think of some of your favorites right now. Why is it that so many people enjoy music? I believe most people are drawn to music of many styles and genres, but why? I personally am a fan of prime country music. Do I have any prime country music fans in here? Clay Walker, Alan Jackson, Brooks and Dunn, George Strait, Gary Allen. What is it about music or this music that I'm drawn to? Why do we find ourselves listening to the same songs over and over again? I think it's personally about connection. 
Over the last three to four weeks, I've attended two concerts, one Gary Allen with my dad and my sister, and one Brooks and Dunn, again with my mom and dad and my husband. And I remember looking around at all the strangers there and thinking to myself, it's really cool that all of these people came together for one reason, and that is to enjoy music together. Complete strangers all there for the same reason. All humans have a desire for connection. And I think music puts it to life for us. It makes us feel like there are other people out there just like us, feeling the same emotion, going through the same stuff in life. We can connect through songs that talk about friendships, that talk about work, where we come from, relationships, hardships, love, addictions. I could make a long list of things that connect humans through music. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said, music is the universal language of mankind. Humans clearly have a desire for closeness, right? Music can connect people, and it also illustrates how people try to fill voids in their lives. We hear songs about trying to fill those voids with relationships, trying to fill those voids with addictions and other earthly things. Music may be a great platform to foster connection as humans, but is secular music also revealing to us human thirst for a spiritual connection? There is someone else, or should I say another being, who wants to connect with humans. God. What if we stop trying to fill voids with addictions? What if we stop trying to fill voids with busyness? What if we stop trying to fill that void with human relationships that fall short of true love? What if we stop trying to fill that void with anger and negativity? What if we stop trying to fill that void with regret? What if we tried to stop filling that void with a good old country song? Or fill in your own, whatever genre you love to listen to. What if we consistently filled that thirst for spiritual connection with the love of Jesus by pulling him in and drawing him near and listening for him to whisper our name? The Holy Spirit can live in us and guide us. We just have to listen. Boy, would that change some of the depressing country songs. What would God's love song sound like to us, for us, dedicated to us? God is calling us for that closeness, and it is there that we find grace, love, and joy. All right, back to our Bibles. Um, Romans 8, I'll be reading 1 through 17. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. 
For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. First of all, God calls us to grace. Back to verse 3 where it reads, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. A couple of points that I pulled out of this verse are one, the law was unable to save us because of our sinful nature. And two, God did what the law could not do by sending his son, Jesus. I feel that throughout the Bible, there are so many examples of how God is calling to us. He's calling out to humans. He's saying, come back to me. I love you. I'm going to keep trying to save you from judgment. God gave us free will. I believe and know that this is true. Love is more powerful when it is chosen. God will never take that free will away from us. I imagine God throughout history constantly changing his game plan, constantly adding and changing lyrics to his love song dedicated to us. Does he say to himself often, well, that didn't work. What can I try next? Maybe this will work. Let me change this up a little bit. In Hebrews 12, 18 through 29, it gives a good description of the contrast between the old covenant mountain, the law of Moses that is referenced in verse 3, when it says the law was unable to save us, and the new covenant mountain. Moses himself trembled with fear at the old covenant mountain, Sinai. Hebrews 18, 21, it is described this way. Here are just a few points pulled out of there. The mountain that cannot be touched, burning with fire darkness, gloom, storm, trumpet blast, a voice speaking words. Because of our sinful nature, then God approaches Moses with intensity. This could be described as red hot wrath in the face of sin. I think of a coach at halftime of a game with the losing team. You know that the coach loves his players, but they're not performing. So what do you do? Getting the players fired up and ready to come back. That's the coach's aim, right? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. 
This intensity from God does not repair the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. At the end of verse 3 in Hebrews, it says, He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declares an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. See, from the beginning, God wanted connection with us. Adam and Eve broke God's heart. God still called out for us. The people at Mount Sinai broke God's heart. He still called out to us. Humans of sinful nature break God's heart every day. Yet he still calls out to us. He still wants to love us and have that connection with us. In Hebrews 12, 22 through 29, the vision of the new covenant mountain is described as a stark is described a stark difference. So instead of seven fearful things, it's described this way. The heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. Thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. The church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. God, the judge of all people. The spirits of the righteous made perfect. Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, the sprinkled blood that speaks better than the blood of Abel. Here God is calling, but in a different way. God is calling people to the dwelling place of God, the presence of God. God is asking his people to invite his spirit into their hearts. He wants his people to know that they can have full access to him. Back to Romans 8 and verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Here, God is calling his people to allow the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. This is an extension of freedom and grace in knowing that we no longer have to be controlled by our sinful nature, by allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. And we pull our Lord in for a deep and fulfilling connection. God wants us to connect with him by accepting his grace given to us through his son, Jesus. God wants us to be free from our persecutors and rest in the presence of the Almighty. So once we have accepted God's grace and invite his spirit to guide us, what's next? Where is the booming voice of direction? Where is that clear roadmap that's supposed to end up in my mailbox? Where are that, the lyrics to my life song written? When having conversation about God and life with friends and family, I often hear the statement, I would just like some clear signs. Has anyone ever said that to yourself? Had that in conversation? 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13, the Lord um, talks to Elijah. But it says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went and stood at the mouth of a cave. 
Sometimes God speaks to people in loud, clear, audible voices. But most times, we need to listen for his whispers. Posture your heart toward Jesus, expectantly waiting for his presence. Think about the people who you're most close to, to the people that you are called to love around you. When we have deep and meaningful conversations with these people, aren't they usually quiet and peaceful conversations? These are conversations that we focus on, that we tune into. Do we not step away from our busy lives and set aside quiet time, quiet our minds and focus on what a loved one has to say that's important to us? Before you go to sleep at night, do you not whisper, I love you, to your family as you turn out the lights? Where do you listen for God? Do you listen for voices in the night? Are you moved by a warm heart? Do you experience life in a way that may urge tears or bring hope? God is calling us to love. When God is calling us to love him and in return reveals his love, guidance, peace, and joy, are we setting aside the time to listen? There are so many wonderful things we learn and experience when we set aside that quiet time for the Lord. This is what he wants from us day and night. Psalms 42, 8, by day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, prayer to the God of my life. Has anyone ever heard the song, Whisper My Name by Randy Travis? Anyone? I see some nods, yes. I'm not going to sing it. I don't sing, <laughs> except in the shower. But, <laughs> but here are those lyrics. I heard a freight train out across the way. I heard a woman sing amazing grace. I heard a night bird call to its mate when I heard you whisper my name. I heard freedom break its chain. I heard a heartbeat where once no sound remain. I heard angels rise and praise when I heard you whisper my name. And I heard music bring a heart of stone to tears. And I heard peace ring like an anthem through the years. And I heard hatred fall from grace when I heard you whisper my name. Beating softly against the waves fell a sound of an early morning rain. And though the lightning and the thunder came, I still heard you whisper my name. I heard music bring a heart of stone to tears. I heard peace ring like an anthem through the years. And I heard hatred fall from grace when I heard you whisper my name. So the first time I heard that song, I automatically thought of God. I think it's supposed to be a love song to a person. But for a moment, imagine we are singing that song to the Lord. One whisper of our name from the Lord, our, Lord Almighty, and we are filled with freedom. We are filled with grace. We are filled with peace and singing angels. I think that feels pretty good just hearing it. So what do whispers between you and God sound like? What does it feel like to have invited the Holy Spirit into your life? What does your song, your love song, sound like? God also calls us to joy. We have accepted God's grace. We have asked the Holy Spirit to guide our lives, allowing us to feel close to the Lord. God then calls us to his joy. 
A relationship that takes work is always the strongest and also brings the most joy to your life. This is a connection that God wants with us. He says to us, trust me, give me your problems, give me your anxieties, give me your life, let me guide you. Listen to my whispers in our quiet place. Look for me in your everyday life. Find the joy that only I can bring you. Listen to my truth. I wrote about this next part in a midweek reflection, but one of my favorite quotes comes from a book that was written from the perspective of God and what he wants to say to us. I believe it was my mother who gave it to me years ago. And this quote reads, she lays down all the pieces of her existence at my feet day after day. She brings whatever burdens she, care, she is carrying and she unloads them all to me. She knows she is loved and she can rest because there is rest in love. Um, a couple of verses that I want to read to you. One's from Peter, one's from Philippians. I'm going to pull out one word from each one of these. But 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 reads, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Philippians 4, 6 reads, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present our requests to God. The word that I pulled out of both of these verses is anxiety. And I'm talking to myself, too. <laughs> there is little joy, if any, when we hang on to anxiety. God wants us to trust him with the tough stuff. God wants us to talk to him about the things that we worry about. God wants us to lay all the pieces of our lives at his feet and rest. Find joy in knowing that you have the Lord of the heavens on your side. Find joy in knowing that you can find grace no matter who you are or what you have done. Find joy in knowing that you are loved stronger and more faithfully than any human ever could. Find joy in knowing that the Holy Spirit lives in you and will guide you every single day when you allow it to. Find joy in the love song that God has written on your heart. Um, and I told Erica this morning, if I would have thought ahead, I could have done special music with her, but because I don't sing, as I said earlier. So what I did find, though, is a poem. I would like to end with a poem that I read in a book titled God Came Near by Max Lucado. If you ever get a chance to grab it, it's an easy read, but it's beautifully written. Um, kind of a love poem to us from Jesus. A sudden breeze, surprisingly warm, whistles through the leaves, scattering dust from the lifeless form. And with the breath of fresh air comes the difference. Winging on the warm wind in his image, laughter is laid in the sculpted cheeks. A reservoir of tears is stored in the soul. A sprinkling of twinkle of the eyes. Poetry for the spirit. Logic, loyalty, like leaves on an autumn breeze. They float and land and are absorbed. His gifts become a part of him. His majesty smiles at his image. It is good. The eyes open, oneness, creator, and created walking on the riverbank. Laughter, purity, innocent joy, life unending, then the tree. The struggle, the snake, the lie, the enticement, 
heart torn, lured, soul drawn to pleasure, to independence, to importance, inner agony, whose will? The choice. Death of innocence, entrance of death, the fall, tear stains, mingling with fruit stains, the quest. Abram, you will father a nation, and Abram, tell the people I love them. Moses, you will deliver my people, and Moses, tell the people I love them. Joshua, you will lead the chosen one, and Joshua, tell the people I love them. David, you will reign over the people, and David, tell the people I love them. Jeremiah, you will bear tidings of bondage, but Jeremiah, remind my children, remind my children, I love them. I just thought that was like a beautiful illustration of God's love for us and he's consistently looking for you and looking for your connection together. Um, if you would stand, I would like to send you all with a prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for your Holy Spirit and that connection that you desire to have with us. Help us to find that joy that comes with your love, with your grace. And Lord, we send everyone today to have a wonderful Sunday with family. In your name we pray, amen.